What a great God we serve. What a powerful name. What a wonderful name. There is no other name above the name of Jesus. This morning, I want to speak on Mary, a model of faith. I think for at least for the past 15 years, for a long time, at least in my life, I have not paid much attention to the life of Mary because the Catholic Church probably lifted her to a very high place. And then the Protestant Church, they try to underplay or ignore. And in the process, somewhere along the line, we have missed to study from the life of Mary. So the past 15 years, I've always been excited whenever I read the story of Mary. Mary, a model of faith. If I say Abraham, a model of faith, we all will agree readily. But if I say Mary, a model of faith, are there lessons that we can learn from Mary? Because last Sunday, we meditated on the basic meaning of Christmas. There is darkness in the world. We saw that the world is filled with deceit, murder, cheating, stealing, lying, bitterness, lust, violence, danger, crime, suffering, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, oppression, grief, name anything, the world is in the dark. And we also saw that we cannot overcome the darkness of this world with human resources, intellect, and technology. In other words, intellect and innovation cannot solve this darkness problem. It can make our life comfortable, but this darkness cannot be uh, removed or overcome or can be dispelled with innovation and technology. And the belief that some kind of political system or ideology or stock markets can dispel this darkness has only led to more distress and darkness. But there is that good news. The good news is Christmas gives us hope because a light has dawned from outside. That is the good news. Christmas means darkness turns to light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Christmas means a far, far brighter than the sun has come. God came to this world as a human being. There is light, there is hope for this world. Now, we sang this morning, joy to this world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. So how do we receive this king? That's my message today. How do we receive this king? Let earth receive her king. How should we respond to this good news of Christmas? How did Mary, the mother of Jesus, respond to this good news? So for today's meditation, let's read together from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to your son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When Elizabeth, your relative, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is God's word. Glorious Father, we look to you this morning. Teach us to receive this light. Teach us to receive the King of Kings. Help us today, O oh Lord. We need more of you. We need more light in you, in us, O oh Lord. I pray we will be the light in this world. Let the darkness be dispelled from this world. We ask for that light. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage presents Mary as a model of faith. In fact, this passage teaches us how to respond to the message of Christmas. In other words, how to receive the light that has come from outside the world. A light has dawned. Interestingly, Luke alone tells us the encounter between the angel Gabriel and the Virgin Mary pledged to be married to a man called Joseph. Probably Luke wants to present Mary as a model of faith. If that is the case, then what lessons can we learn from the life of Mary? Mary models genuine faith. 
Mary models genuine faith. Now, even before I go further, let me define genuine faith. A genuine faith will not shrink from the process of testing. In other words, from the process of questioning. A genuine faith is confident that it will not only pass the test, but in fact, as it as you go through the process of testing, your faith will only become strong and stronger. It will become more deep. It will take deep roots within us. So God decides to save the world through a simple, poor, teenage, unmarried girl from Nazareth, a small town in Galilee. So God sends his angel Gabriel with a message to Mary. Now, how does Mary respond? If God sends an angel with a message to you this morning, how will you respond? The Bible says in Luke 1, 28 to 29, the angel went to her and said, greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary does not say, oh, how special I am. I am a chosen one. I am the apple of his eye because God has sent his special angel Gabriel to me. God, Mary doesn't say, oh, what a great day. The angel has come. But the Bible says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered. The English word wondered is not the appropriate word. Probably the Tamil and the Telugu Bible translates the Greek word dialogi zeto correctly. In fact, I think the Malayalam Bible translates it as Brahmichu. Uh, that's also not right. That's also not so right. Uh, the Tamil and the English, the Telugu Bibles are more close to the Greek word. What basically Mary is doing is Mary is evaluating when she heard this message. She is going back and forth in her mind. She's trying to discern. She is trying to figure out the implications of the angelic message because the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Mary was greatly troubled. Any normal person should be troubled because Mary is asking to herself, am I really seeing an angel? Or is this just a bad dream? Is this really an angel from God? You tell any virgin girl that you will become pregnant without wedding. It's not a good message. So she's struggling. So she does not immediately accept the message. Instead, she asks, how will this be? How will this be? 
Mary as the angel, since I am your virgin. Today we are looking at Mary as a model of faith. Why? Because some people in the church, they think I have a lot of questions about the Bible, so my faith is weak. Some say people who have strong faith, they don't ask questions. Some Christian parents raise up their children, instructing them not to ask faith-related questions. But they also forget that it is written in the Bible in 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now the response that it's written in the Bible, so I believe is not a good response. We need to give the reason why we have that hope, why we believe what's written in the Bible. Years ago, I was uh, addressing a group of Sunday school teachers in Madras. And one of the Sunday school teacher was a medical college graduate. He was doing his MBBS in Stanley Medical College, and he was also there. So I was basically teaching them how to read the Bible, especially the creation story from the book of Genesis. And as I was explaining to him, how to, uh, to the group as to how to read the Bible, uh, Bible is not a science book. You don't read the Bible as a science book because it doesn't answer scientific questions. And this medical college student told me, Pastor, I, I'm so grateful to you because when my friends ask me certain questions and I'm not able to answer that, they ask me some scientific questions. And when I'm not able to answer that, I just tell them, you will go to hell. That's not a good response. We need to have a well thought of reason for our faith. Our faith is not so weak that it can't withstand our questions. Genuine questions, yes, we will have answers. Our faith is capable of answering those questions. Sometimes 21st century believers think just with few educational degrees after their names, that the ancient people were illiterate, they were superstitious and were ready to believe any claim. Even today, I would, I would not hesitate to say that people in the village in 50s and 60s were, they understood their life better than us, we in the people in the city, in this busy world. Uh, you may have different opinions about that, but I feel that though they were not highly educated, they used to work as laborers and all, but they understood. They were able to handle life better than educated people. So Mary is responding to an angelic message better than us. Mary is not, the moment the angel came and gave that message, Mary is not saying, oh angel, what a great message, I'm thrilled, I'm so happy. No, she's not saying that. Because Mary 
is having, Mary has to overcome a mental barrier. What was that mental barrier? Mary had been trained and brought up by her culture to not believe that God would ever become a human being. He's God. He's God. He will never ever become a human being. But at a combination of evidence, like she visits her relative's place that you see uh, in the chapter, she visits Elizabeth's place and the experience she had, you know, the song of Elizabeth, you know, it helped her to overcome those barriers. And that's how she came to that faith, a faith, a glowing faith, we can say. You know, Mary, she doubted. She questioned. You know, people think faith means you don't have any doubts, any questions. In fact, salvation, the more you think about salvation, it should make us doubt, my goodness, what a wretched sinner I am. And can, will a holy God, one who is sinless, can accept me, can love me. We need to go through this process to make our faith more vibrant and robust. So Mary doubted and she was questioning within herself. There's nothing wrong with that. And she asked questions. It is not only enough we question ourselves, we need to ask questions. And then she used her reason, a well thought of faith, a strong faith that helped her live a faithful life. We must also go through this process to make our faith genuine. Because remember, Christian faith adequately answers all the reasonable and sincere questions. I know as I am speaking, some of you are thinking about Zachariah's question. Pastor, just before that passage, Zachariah asked a question and you know what happened to him? No, there is a world of difference between the question asked by Zachariah and Mary. You know, there's a kind of doubt that is the sign of a closed mind. And there is a kind of doubt that is the sign of an open mind. You know, they say before you answer a questioner, you should know the, before you answer a question, you should know the questioner. Then only you'll be able to, able to respond uh, correctly. Some people genuinely question to seek answers. And some people question to make the answers all the more difficult. It'll be very difficult for the second category of people to accept the truth. There are people like Mary who are open to the truth and are willing to let go control of their lives to God. When truth 
when you know the truth, you are able to say, Lord, I just give my life to you. But there are people like Zachariah who are not willing to let go control over their lives because their minds are closed. That is the difference between both the questions. Because in Luke chapter 1, 1920, it says, Then angel said to him, And Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. In fact, Zechariah was doubting God's ability in blessing him with a child. Zechariah as a priest, he shouldn't have asked his question. He knew very well the story of Abraham and Sarah. He knew very well the story of Rachel. Rachel was barren. He knew very well the story of Hannah. So Zachariah must not have asked this question. So Zachariah was basically doubting God's ability in blessing him with a child. But Mary was asking for more information. She was seeking some clarity. Genuine faith will keep us away from wrong teachers and false prophets. Mary models for us not only genuine faith, but also surrendered faith. Not only genuine faith, but also surrendered faith. In Luke 138, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We read this and we think, okay, what did Mary say? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me fulfilled. But it was not an easy statement. We can learn much from this statement of obedience. And this one is not blind obedience but one that is based on the goodness and greatness of our God. It is not at all an easy statement to make. When we read the Bible, we just read it. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's not an easy say, statement because Mary very well knew the consequences of obedience. What's going to happen? How she'll be treated. She knew those consequences very well. If the angelic word is fulfilled, and if she has a child, and even if Joseph decides to marry her, people will still say that Mary became pregnant even before her marriage. If you have lived in a village and if you, knew, if you know what's going to happen to a girl like this, then probably you will be able to understand a little bit of this statement. Our society is no better because she will always, all through her life, 
she will be branded as the mother of an illegitimate child. It will be extremely difficult for her. Whenever people see her, hey, you know that lady? She had a child. She was pregnant even before marriage. So when Mary said, may your word to me be fulfilled, she knew what she was getting into. She, this may mean a life of disgrace or even worse. Even children will mock at her. You know what Mary was telling her? Mary is literally saying to God, in obeying you, whatever comes, I accept it. In obeying you, Lord, whatever comes, it may be disgrace, it may be rejection, oh Lord, what it may be failure, it may be sickness, it may be slander, it may be suffering, Lord, I'll accept it. That is surrendered faith. I am ready, Lord. I'm ready. It is, it's very easy to follow God when everything is fine. When health is fine, wealth is fine, your children are doing well, and you have a house, you have a car, it's very easy. When relationships are good, when everything starts breaking, there is fracture, there is failure, there is sickness, there is slander, there is suffering, there is abuse, there is loss. Then to say, Lord, come what may, I will follow you. That's going to be difficult. Mary, like so many other teenage girls of her age, may have dreamt of her future life. Maybe she had thought, I'm going to marry Joseph because the Bible says she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And Joseph and I, are going to have a beautiful house. We'll build a beautiful house. We are going to have so many children and we will be going to Jerusalem. Should have made plans, should have been having dreams. But now God's calling to her endangers her very plans and dreams. She has to let go of her dreams of our plans. Who knows what kind of life awaits her? Who knows how she'll be treated? When Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled, she's telling us, no, it doesn't matter what happens to my plan, let your will be done. It doesn't matter, Lord. I have my dreams. I have my plans. I have my desires. But Lord, it doesn't matter what happens to my plan, my name, my desires. It doesn't matter. But I'm, I'm ready for your will to be done in my life. You know, years later, Mary's son will also say the same prayer in Gethsemane, in Mark chapter 14, 36, above Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what I will. 
Jesus knew very well the kind of cup that's awaiting him. He didn't say, oh, I'm so glad I'm going to be crucified. Jesus didn't say that because he knew the kind of cup. But he said, "Yet not what I will, but what you will. So Mary is posing questions to all of us. If we claim or if we think we are people of faith, Mary is posing us two questions. Are you willing to obey the Bible whether you like it or not? Whether it goes according to your understanding or your liking, your desires, your plans, are you willing to obey the Bible whether you like it or not? And Mary is asking, are you willing to trust God in anything he sends into your life? whether you understand it or not. There are things in our lives. I, I'm, I'm aware of spiritual warfare that every Christian is involved. I'm aware of that. I'll come to that sometime, God willing, sometime in 21, I'll come to that. But are you willing to trust God in anything he sends into your life? Whether you understand or not. You know, we have few examples, not only Mary, we have few examples in the Bible to teach us about surrendered faith. I'm not going to explain. We have life of Ruth. If you want to understand about surrendered faith, go and read the life of Ruth. Go and read the life of David, anointed at the age of 16. And all that, was, all that he was doing for the next 14 years was he was fleeing and hiding, just trying to save his life. We have the life of, we have the story of Daniel and his friends. All these people exemplify the meaning of surrendered faith. So Mary models for us not only genuine faith, surrendered faith, but also growing faith. Mary models for us not only genuine faith, surrendered faith, but also growing faith. A person who exhibits genuine and surrendered faith will always grow in his faith. This growth is organic. You cannot stop that growth. How do we know we are growing in our faith? We all want to know, we all want to know that we have this kind of faith, the faith Mary had. We also want to have that faith. But how do we know we are having that growing faith? When we grow in obedience, when we grow in holiness, when we grow in prayer life, when we grow in good deeds, these are all evidences of growing faith. We can evaluate our own faith and we can say, are we growing 
in faith or not? Am I growing in obeying God's word? Am I becoming more like God? God is holy. Only those who are holy can see this holy God. Am I becoming more like my God? Growing in prayer life. Praying, prayer meetings, does it excite you or it's a burden? When we answer these questions, we can evaluate our own faith saying that whether I'm growing in faith or not. Are we growing in good deeds? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let people see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When we are growing in faith, they will see our good deeds and they will praise not us, but the Father in heaven. Now, this growing faith also happens in stages. In other words, we can say it is a process. It doesn't happen in overnight. It's only in very few cases, people go from being uncommitted to being fully committed in a single day. There are some exceptional cases. You know, we all know the story of the Philippian jailer. You know, he experienced a violent earthquake. He heard the gospel message from Paul and Silas, and he believed in the Lord Jesus and was baptized immediately. It is wrong to point to this dramatic conversion experience like the Philippian jailer and then ask other people, do you know the exact day and time you became a Christian? Christian experience is different for different people. The process may be different, but we can always see whether we are growing or not. What is more important is not whether we know the date or time. What is more important for us is are we on the journey of growth? That is more important. Even if we can't figure out when I was saved, at what time I was saved, what we need to find out is, am I growing in that faith? Am I growing in obedience? Am I growing in holiness? Am I growing in prayer life? Am I growing in good deeds? That should be our focus. Mary's, Mary also went through this faith journey. We can learn from Mary's life. Mary's first reaction was measured unbelief or doubt, you can call it. She didn't say, hallelujah, thank you, angel. I'm great, I'm grateful to you for this message. Mary didn't say that. She had that measured unbelief or doubt. She said, how can a virgin conceive? That's why she asked, how will this be? Mary finds it difficult to believe the angelic message. But she doesn't stop the conversation. That is important. She doesn't stop the conversation. She asks for more information. So when she asks for this more information, she goes to the second stage. And the second stage is simple acceptance. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. 
Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Do you think Mary understood the message clearly? No, she didn't understand completely. Mary is not saying it's clear to me now. I know what's going to happen. I got it. I understand God's message. No, Mary is not saying, oh God, I love your plan. I'm excited to be part of it. No, Mary is not saying all that. Mary is simply saying, God, I don't understand this message. It doesn't, it doesn't at all make sense to me. I'm a virgin and I'm going to conceive and have a child, but I'm willing to be part of your plan and I'm willing to pursue it. I don't understand, Lord, what you have kept for me, but I'm willing to follow you. I don't understand. Sometimes in our lives, things are not clear. It doesn't mean that when we follow God, God is going to show us the complete blueprint. No, he's not giving us a blueprint. When God calls people, no, he doesn't give us a blueprint. It is just that obedience. I obey you. I don't understand, Lord, what you have in store for me, but I know you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the first and the last. If you know, that's enough for me. I know who you are, so I will follow you. you now, for some people, if they want to come to faith, everything should be clear. You know, they feel that Jesus should make sense emotionally, rationally, mentally, personally. In other words, they will say, we will never make a commitment unless everything goes fine in our lives. Everything should be fine. No problems, no struggles, no sickness, no failures, no defeats, no loss. Everything should go fine. Then I know this God is true. Mary is not saying that. Faith in God does not mean we will not have struggles. We will not have sickness. We will not have trials. In fact, Christians will have all these things. The third stage, that's an important stage. Mary comes to a place where she exercises her faith from the heart. Mary was asking that question that's from her mind. She accepts from her will and now from her emotions. She's exercising her faith. That happens when Mary visits Elizabeth, pregnant with John. And when she hears the song of Elizabeth, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. It's making sense to her. Sometimes when God calls us, it is that simple obedience which gives us the reward. God will reward us along the journey. He will make his purpose for us clearer as we obey him. When we obey him, we just follow him. We don't have the blueprint. 
We don't know his plans, but we just obey him. Come what may, Lord, I will follow you. I will follow you. And God in his goodness, in his grace, he has kept a Elizabeth for us. And when we come to Elizabeth's house, certain things will become clear. And as we move further down, some more things will be clear. Our faith is a growing faith. Why does genuine faith take time to develop? Why can't it happen in one day? I have decided to develop my faith. I've decided to spend 10, 10 hours in reading the Bible and in praying. So can I grow in faith? We cannot develop or we cannot come to faith by simply deciding to develop faith and then carrying out our plans. No, God has to open our hearts. That's why Paul will write to the believers and in, in Ephesians he writes, open the eyes of their hearts so that they may be enlightened. They're all believers. So Paul says, open their eyes so that their hearts may be enlightened, minds may be enlightened. Along the journey, you know, God keeps working in our hearts. And then as God keeps transforming us, we realize it is not me, it is God. It is God who is touching me. There is a light which has come from outside there is a person who is outside of me who is touching my heart. He is helping me to overcome my prejudices. Otherwise, we will still, like John and James, we will say that, can we call fire from heaven to destroy this village in Samaria? Or we'll be like that priest and the Levite as they saw the man on the road, they just passed by his side. It is only when God touches our heart that we'll be able to overcome those prejudices. We will be able to overcome our caste barriers. We will be able to overcome the counterfeit gods. That is the beauty of the Christian faith. You know, in Christian faith, we really experience a person or power that's outside of us, which is working in us, which is transforming our lives. A person who puts a finger on us, he comes to us and deals with us. I'm sure many of us will testify to that. It is not within us. We can only decide to obey. We can choose to obey God. But this God has to take us through that journey and he will help us to grow in our faith. Mary is a model of faith. Whenever we hear the word Mary, we should always remember her as a person of faith, exemplifying for you and me a genuine faith, a surrendered faith, a growing faith. Let's not just 
ignore Mary. Mary is there to encourage us. Mary is there to build us up. Mary is there to draw us closer to Jesus. When we have this faith, a genuine faith, a surrendered faith, and a growing faith, we are on the right track. We are getting closer and closer to Jesus. We are becoming more like the Son of God. So how do we close this message? How can we follow in Mary's footsteps? First, we should accept that Mary really models a life of faith for us. I'm sure all of us will accept that fact that Mary models faith for each one of us. So the first thing we need to do is obedience. God, I don't understand your plans for my life, but I will follow you. I'll follow you. I am willing to let go control of my life. And I will give that control to God. You are sovereign Lord. I make all these plans. Today, if it doesn't work out, it's okay, Lord. You are sovereign. You are God. Be God over my life. You know, the Bible talks about Mary's son, Jesus. And the Bible says, you know, describing the life of Jesus, Paul says, and Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to ask this question, is it possible that Mary's obedience had an impact on the humanity of Jesus. We know Jesus was 100% human, 100% divine. I'm not talking about that divine part, 100% divine. Whether Mary's life had an influence. After all, Mary was mother of that little babe, Jesus. And the Bible says, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. If we commit ourselves to God, we can trust that God is committed to us. This does not mean that life will go well for Christians. We will have disappointments, difficulties, pain, sickness, struggles, strife, but all these things will only drive us closer to God. And as we get closer to God, it is in those moments, it is in those experiences, we find our life's purpose, our meaning, our satisfaction, our identity, our hope in God. You and I are not an accidental being. We have been created by God. Even before you and I were conceived in a mother's wombs, God has designed us in his mind. We come with a purpose, God's purpose. And that becomes clearer and clearer as we obey God. 
in some mysterious ways because we are his children, because he has chosen us. We did not choose him, but he chose us. In some mysterious ways, as we go through life's difficult journey, when troubles and suffering, you know, they don't destroy us. They actually refine us like gold and somehow it turns us inwardly and spiritually into something beautiful and strong. That's why we say, even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. That's why we say in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We don't say evil is good. We don't say sickness is good. We don't say struggles is good. We don't say failures is good. But we know that God will, if I obey my God, he will bring something good out of this also. Because he's all powerful, all sovereign. So if we want to follow in Mary's footsteps, if we want to have a vibrant faith, the first requirement is obedience, obeying God. The second essential thing is service. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Here I am. I am the Lord's servant. Here I am. We should always be in this condition, in this, in this, in this mode. Lord, I'm not saying that this means that you should resign your job or go somewhere. I'm not saying that, but 24 seven, you should be in this frame of mind. I am your Lord's, I am the Lord's servant. Here I am. Lord, today you call me, I will just leave this job and come follow you. We should have that mindset. That's one. That's that's when when we tell God, God, I'm available. Twenty four seven, I'm available. I'm available. God knows our mind. God knows our attitude. God knows. You know who can leave a bag, a basket full of fish, and follow me. When God called Peter, he knew Peter very well. He knew Peter will deny him. But he also knew Peter will leave that basket full of fish and he'll follow him. He knew who Peter was. That's why Jesus said, on this stone, I'll build my church. God is not looking for perfect people. God is looking for people who are available. And God wants us in his service, in his kingdom. That's why Jesus said, for even the son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look at the life of Mary, your poor, uneducated girl from Nazareth. No more than 15 years old, knew very well if she surrendered to God, her life would go even lower. Now she was only a poor girl but if she obeys God, her life will still go lower because she'll become an outcast. In her own family, they will scold her. They will accuse her. 
But Mary, knowing all that, she did so willingly and also went through the agony of watching her son being tortured and crucified. Think of all the darkness that Mary embraced when she said, I am the Lord's servant. Because she humbled herself and became a servant, she, she became one of the great people in history. She inspires me. Mary's life inspires me. She is truly a model of faith. If we give ourselves totally to God, like Mary, God will do great things even in our troubles. But our, more, our greatest motive for surrendering to him cannot be for what he will do in us. It is not even what great things he will do in and through us. That should not be our motive. Our motive for obedience, our motive for service, it's not that God will do great things in and through me, I will become great. No, not at all. The greatest motive must be our love for him for what he did on, for us. That cross where he died for us because he gave up everything. Today, I am ready to give up everything. He came to save me. I was in the dark. That light came, that light dawned on me. That is the meaning of Christmas and the life of Christmas. He brought me out from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is purely because of that love for what he did for me, I surrender my life. I obey him. I tell him 24 seven, I'm available, O Lord. I'm ready to serve you, even at the cost of being disgraced, even at the cost of being accused, insulted, I'm ready to serve you. Even at the cost of giving away my comfort, I'm ready to serve you. And Mary models for us that kind of faith. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? This morning we heard about the life of Mary. How Mary models for us a vibrant faith. It was a genuine faith. Mary, it was a surrendered faith. And it was a growing faith. Are we ready to follow Mary? And having faith like this. May I request Pastor Sane to lead us in prayer?